This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. 2021 is our year of reset. When the senior pastors, Pastor Tom and Candid, declared it to, to be our year of reset, I hope you received it. You know, we have heard a statement many times that God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. But I want to add one more phrase to that statement. God said it, I say it, because I believe it, and that settles it. Can somebody agree with me that right there? Praise God. So 2021 is my year of reset. I want that to get into your spirit. Because when you make that declaration, it doesn't just happen because you say it. It happens because first of all, you perceive it. Somebody say you perceive it. And by perceiving it, you see yourself in the reality of the word of God spoken over your life. Then after perceiving it, you conceive it. And you conceive it by speaking the word over your life, over your spirit, over your family, over your job, again and again and again until faith begins to grow. Because the Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Then after you perceive it and you conceive it, then you receive it. God's word has to go into your spirit. In fact, last week, Pastor Tom also shared the scripture, which is kind of our theme for the year. It's taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 19. I want us to read that scripture together. It says, behold. Somebody say, behold. You know, what does behold mean? Behold means to see, to perceive, to look. Behold. Many miss the move of God in their lives or in their affairs simply because they are not sensitive to what God is already doing in the spirit. It says, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way. Somebody say, God will make a way. Oh, I can hear you say, God will make a way. God says, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now, I don't have a lot of time to talk about the symbolism and the significance of water in Scripture, but the word I am is an intriguing word. The Bible says, I am doing a new thing. The word I am is a blank check. And you can fill it with anything that you feel God is doing in your life personally. So when God says, I am doing a new thing, you can claim it for yourself by saying, I know God is doing a new thing in my life. I know God is doing a new thing in my family. I know God is doing a new thing. I am is a check that you have to fill in the details of what God is about to do in your life. Can I get an amen? Praise God. I believe that God 
will do something special for someone this year. I believe that God will do something new. God is about to reset things in our lives. He's about to reset things in our family. God is about to make a way where there seems to be no way. God will reset our peace. God will reset our joy. God will reset our homes. God will reset our career. Can somebody say amen? So I'm going to give a, a quick recap of what we have covered in our series of Reset and then we'll pray and we'll just go a few understanding of scriptures. In the last few weeks, we have dealt with a few subjects, Pastor Tom and a couple of the other teachers on the pastoral staff covered a few things. Number one, Pastor Tom talked about understanding what God created us to be, that we are created to become like Jesus, that God's desire is for us to think to act and to be like him. He also mentioned that we need to clarify our priorities and deepen our root system. Removing competing loyalties and having an undivided loyalty to Christ. Knowing God's purpose and having persistence as we pursue the purpose of God. Last week we also experienced powerful revivals with Jim Rayleigh and Joshua Carter. How many of us were blessed by the revival meetings? It was powerful, it was impactful and we brought right here at the revival meetings. We brought prophetic declarations of what we want to see God do in our life. That's why we have decided to title the message today, I declare. That is all. If you don't get anything in the course of this message, get this. The secret to God's power being unleashed in your life is the ability for you to understand those two words. I declare. Let us pray. Father, open our eyes. Open our hearts. Let the revelation of your word permeate our spirit. Let your word be a lamp to our feet and a light unto our part. Father, we know there is a spirit in man and it's the inspiration of the Almighty that giveth man's spirit understanding. Give understanding to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let God's people say a louder amen. Praise God. Today, we're going to look at a simple story. I say a simple story because many of us have heard a story time and time again. It's a story taken from the book of 1 Kings chapter 18. We see the story of a man called Elijah. Elijah, the Bible tells us, was a prophet of God. Elijah loved the Lord. Elijah served the Lord. But Elijah had an encounter with a king called King Ahab. Somebody say King Ahab. And also in 1 Kings chapter 18, he had an encounter not just with King Ahab, he also had an encounter with his prophets of Baal. Elijah had an extraordinary experience. But you must understand that Elijah had that experience against the backdrop of a very dark time in the land and in the history of the nation of Israel. Elijah came at a time that it was a difficult time, not just in the spiritual climate, it was a difficult time in the economy. It was a dark time in the economy. And the people, through the leadership of King Ahab, did evil in the sight 
of God. Sin was pervasive. People did heinous things that were contrary to the word of God. In fact, Ahab, who was the king over Israel, sinned against God because he was incited by his wife, whom we know as Jezebel. He sinned against God. But God's hand was on Elijah. And in the middle of the dark time, in the middle of the sinful environment, God sent Elijah to King Ahab. Now, it's quite interesting to point out that the name Elijah means my God is Yahweh. It means my God is Jehovah. So Elijah carried the name of God in his name. So God had to show himself strong on behalf of Elijah. Now watch this. God had his hand on Elijah. So the atmosphere was about to change. The circumstances was about to be shifted. After three and a half years, precisely after three years, God's word came to Elijah because it hadn't rained, because there was drought in the land. The people did not have enough water. The grass was not growing. There was not enough food. You know that once the rain doesn't fall, food becomes scarce. So God's word came to Elijah. Elijah, go to the king. Present yourself to the king because I have a word for him. Now we see that in, in scriptures, 1 Kings chapter 1 verse 18. The Bible says after a long time, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to King Ahab and I will send rain on the land. God gave a word to his man. God gave a word to his man. And that brings me to our first point for today. God desires that we speak what he speaks. A lot of times, many people that read the story forget that Elijah was not just going to King Ahab on his own choice. He had a command from the Lord. God said, go, I have a word for you. God gave an instruction to Elijah. And Elijah called all the prophets of Baal. Now, in the, in the first story, in 1 Kings chapter 18, we see the encounter Elijah had with the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah and, and all the other prophets and the, the, the encounter he had with them and brought them to a challenge. But let us not talk about that story yet. Let's go to the second part of the story that we see in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41. The Bible says that Elijah told the king in 1 Kings, Kings chapter 18 verse 41 and Elijah said to Ahab get up and drink for there is a sound of a heavy rain. Now some are quick to say Elijah had faith enough to believe that what he said will happen but the Bible tells us that he wasn't speaking because he wanted to speak. So, he was speaking because God had instructed him. Now, let me make a statement. If you can, you should write this down. God doesn't answer your words. He responds to his word. A lot of times, 
times, many of us are quick to just say anything, but we have not checked whether what we say is in conformity, is in alignment, is in consonance with the Word of God. The Bible says, I honor my word above my name. And the Bible says that the name of the Lord is, is strong. And the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Now, if God honors his word above his name, you can imagine how powerful his word is. Now, watch this. In order to get answers to your prayers, you need a word from God. You need a word from God. And it wasn't enough for Elijah to get an instruction from the Lord. The Bible tells us that he kept his ears sensitive to listen. Now watch this. In 1 Kings 18, 41 to 42, in verse 42, the Bible says, After he told Ahab, go, eat and drink, for I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. The Bible says, Ahab went to what? Eat and drink. But Elijah climbed up on the mountain, bent his face to the ground, put his face in between his knees. What do you think he was doing? A lot of times we speak God's word and we go into the kitchen and we want the word to walk. Elijah did not follow Ahab to eat and drink. He went back to hear what God is still saying. I don't know about you, but I need a word from God. I need a word for my life. I need a word for my family. I need a word for my destiny. You need a word from God. I don't know whether you can look at someone far away and tell them, brother, in order to go to the next dimension in your life and ministry, you need a word from the Lord. Somebody say, I need a word from God. I need a word for my family. Now say it louder. I need a word for my job. I need a word for my finances. I need a word for my destiny. I need a word from the Lord. Oh God. The Bible says in Psalms 119 verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know why we do 21 days of fasting and prayer? It's so that we can be sensitive enough to hear God's voice. To hear God's voice and be able to hear what God wants us to do. You need a word from God. Remember when Jesus was tempted in Matthew chapter 4 verse 4. The Bible says that Jesus told the devil, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Somebody say every word. Oh, it's not enough for you to just dwell on bread. But you need every word. You need every word for that situation that is confronting you today. You need every word from God. You know, it's quite an oxymoron to see and to remember that Adam's, the first Adam, that's Adam's rejection of the word in preference for bread was what Jesus came to reverse in Matthew chapter 4 verse 4. 
Adam rejected the word of God and rather ate the bread that the devil asked him to eat. But Jesus reversed it. When he was tempted by the devil and said, oh, oh, I know the trick that you tricked the first Adam. But this second Adam will not yield to eating bread because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. God's intention is that our habitation is not in the kitchen, but in the presence of God. The kitchen is good, yeah. Every once in a while you should pass by that, that room. But God wants us to be in his presence. God wants us to be in his atmosphere. God wants us to dwell in him, to lean our heart to his heartbeat, to be able to hear what he has to say for us, to be able to hear what he has to say in us, to be able to hear what he has to say for us. That's why in the beginning, man was placed in a garden. We know that the garden was called Eden, and we know Eden means presence. Eden means atmosphere. It means the presence of God. And when God wanted to redeem man for man's sins, the Bible says in John chapter 1 verse 1 that he sent his word. In fact, the Bible says it this way. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and God sent for the word and the word became flesh. God's solution to the problems of mankind was sending the word that became flesh flesh. Somebody say, Lord, I need your word. One more time, say, Lord, I need a word. So the question I want to ask you this morning, how much word do you have? How much word do you have in your spirit? The Bible says, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you would ask what you will and it will be done for you. God gave us precious promises in the word, but we have to have the word in your spirit. The Bible says in Isaiah, Chapter 55, verse 11. He says, So shall my word that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but shall accomplish that for which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Many of us don't understand the degree and the dimension and the power of the word of God. For God to speak is for God to act. So when we say the words, God is acting on my behalf, do you think God is standing up and walking and trying to get things? What God is doing is sending his his word. The Bible says in Genesis that when God was created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1, God said, let there be light. God said, let the sea bring forth living things. God said, God said, God said. Then the Bible now goes further to say, and God saw. God said before God saw. Theologians have told us that we are created in the image and the likeness of God, the imago Dei. We are created in the image of God and because if God can say before he sees, what about you? What about you? So the reason why you may not be seeing is because you have not been saying. What about you? So number one, God desires that we speak 
what he speaks. Point number two, God desires that we see what he sees. That is an easy one, right? God desires that we see what he sees. Now, let me show you something. In 1 Kings chapter 18, the Bible says that Elijah was told by God that there is going to be rain. He told the king, go and eat and drink. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. He was telling him invariably that I've heard God speak to me that rain is coming. But he did not stop there. If you read 1 Kings chapter 18, down from verse 43 to 44, this is what happened. He told his servant, go and look. Somebody say, look. <laughs> One more time, I like to hear it. Say, look. Many of us are not looking. He told his servant, go, look towards the sea. So the servant went and looked. Guess what he saw? Nothing. How many of us have been in a situation whereby God has given you a word? God has told you that you are going to be blessed. God has told you you're going to be the father of many nations, but your wife is barren. Maybe God has given you a precious promise. God has said, look at the stars of the sky, but yet you cannot see a single star in your house. God has said you'll be debt free. God has said your career will go to the max, but yet in the physical, you cannot see anything. But do you know it's an act of faith to watch and anticipate God's word being fulfilled? In fact, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 that faith is the substance of things hoped for. You know what that means? That faith is the result of an expectation of things you cannot see. That's what it means. So, in other words, God is watching you. Remember the story of Jeremiah. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 10, the Bible told, asked, God asked Jeremiah, what do you see? He said, I see an almond tree. And God responded and told Jeremiah, you have seen well, for I will watch my word to perform it. So what I get from there is that faith is, uh, is watching in anticipation of what God will do. In other words, God is watching you watch his word. God is watching whether you are watching his word. Tell somebody, don't watch your watch. <laughs> I'll explain that later. <laughs> don't watch the world. Watch his word. Many of us are watching the wrong things. Many of us are looking towards the things that will not define our expectation in Christ. Many of us are looking at the wrong direction. You need faith. Now let's go further. The Bible says this in 1 Kings 18, 44. The servant went there one time. He went there second time. And on the seventh time, he came back. And what did he say? 
I see, but it is a cloud that is very small. It's like, it says it's, it's as small as a man's hand. That's all God needs. That's all God needs. That's all God needs. But if you look back, I, I didn't put this in my note, but it just came to me that even before clouds are formed, if you look at the laws of photosynthesis, you'll see that before clouds are formed, the, the sun rays has already evaporated the water from the ground into the air. So before you even see what you are seeing, God has already been walking before. Now, now, now watch this. He said, I see a cloud as small as a man's hand. Before God told Ahab, I will send the rain, there was nothing. God told him, go. There was nothing. Ahab did not, um, Jer um, Elijah did not see anything. His servant did not see anything. Sometimes when God gives you a word, you might not see it. Your family might not see it. People around you might not see it. People that are around you to even authenticate whether God is really working might tell you, you know what? You are believing in vain. You have, you, God might not do what you say God will do. But child of God, keep trusting in God. Even though you might not see the accomplishment of what you are believing God for. But keep trusting in God. If you're watching this online, begin to say to yourself, I will trust God. Begin to type on the chat, I will depend on God. I may not see it, but I will hold on to the word of the Lord. Hold on to his word. You may not see it, but God expects you to watch him fulfill his word in your life. Praise God. You know, the world conditions us to see things different from God's own perspective. God desires that we see what he sees. Remember the story when God sent the prophet Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 16. God sent the prophet Samuel to the house of Jesse and says, pick one of his sons who is going to be king of Israel. So this, uh, this, uh, even the prophet of God himself was looking at the big guys with muscle. The guys that have gone to Planet Fitness and gotten some six packs. <laughs> and he said, oh, this is the guy. God said, not this one. He said, oh, this other guy has bigger muscles. He said, God said, not this one. Maybe you are believing God for a husband and you're seeing a guy that is tall, dark, and handsome. God is saying, uh oh, not this one. <laughs> Until God said to him, for the Lord, uh, let's, let's read the scripture. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance, nor at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. Now watch this, and I wanted to underline this if you can. For the Lord, someone say for the Lord. Sees not as man sees. For the man looks at outward appearance, but God looks at the looks at the it is a very serious prayer for you to pray, Lord, help me to see things from your perspective. Yes. 
help me to see things from your perspective. You know, I, I was thinking about this illustration. If you put a spoon in a glass of water that is half full, you see that the spoon seems to be bent or broken. How many of us? It's called an infraction. What happens is that when light goes through the cup, it creates a distorted image. So you think the spoon is bent or broken if it's in the glass full, uh, half full of water, but truly not so. The world creates an infraction in such a way that we are looking at the world, the word of God, in a way that we shouldn't look at the word of God. We try to filter the world, the word of God, on the basis and the perspective of the world. You cannot read the Bible and allow the doctrines of the word to interpret it for you. In fact, many years ago, one, a preacher told me this, that you try to avoid defining words by dictionaries because dictionaries don't give definitions. Dictionaries are a diction array. It gives the definition of how words have been used in the past. So you compare scriptures with scriptures. You try to look at scriptures on the basis of how that scriptures have been used in the past. Now the reason why I'm saying this is this. Whenever you're trying to compare your own life, look at the basis of scriptures and try to see how you fit in the scripture. We need to see how God sees. We need to see from, from God's perspective. Remember the story of, of Elijah, um, rather Elisha in 2 Kings. Now 2 Kings chapter 6 verse 17. The, 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 the enemy, Amalekites, surrounded Elisha and was about to take him captive and deal with him because guess what Elisha was doing? Elisha would go ahead and tell the king of Israel what the king of the Amalekites was doing in his bedroom because he was a prophet of God and God told him what was happening in the realm of the spirit. So Elisha would go to the king of Israel and say, okay, this is what your enemy is planning. So the king, the enemy king felt, you know, this man, Elisha, needs to be dealt with. So they went to his house, surrounded his house, and Elisha was drinking tea. Twinings, is it twinings? What kind of tea is that? Elijah was drinking coffee with a little bit of three sugar. And he was relaxed and his servant looked at him, Gehazi, and said, why are you so relaxed? We are surrounded by the enemy. Do something. You know what Elijah said? Elisha. He said, Lord, open my servant's eyes so that he can see what I see. It tells me that when you see, you react based on what you see. The reason why you are panicking is because you are not seeing correctly. The reason why you're acting the way you're acting out of faith is that you do not remember that at the end of the story, you already won. You won. The, the end of the story has been set. So no matter what the enemy does in the middle, you won. <laughs> you won. You won. So Elisha told God, open his eyes, let him see. You need spiritual sensitivity. You know, as I'm preaching, I'm preaching to myself too. Because many a times, situations come that makes you discouraged. You say, Lord, when will this end? Lord, when will I be victorious? 
God is saying, come to my own point of view and come and see the end of the movie. Come and see it. Though the actor has fought, the enemy seemed to be winning, but come to the end of the story because the protagonist always wins. It always wins. Now watch this. Now let me not deviate from my story. Remember Revelation, when we deal with the seven churches, seven letters of the seven churches in Revelation chapter 18. The Bible says, God told the churches, I counsel you to buy for me gold that has been heated, refined by fire, so that you become rich, and clothe yourself, so that the shame of your nakedness will not be seen, and healing salve to put on your eyes, so that you may see. Somebody raise your hand and say, Lord, teach me to see what you see. Say, Lord, teach me to speak what you are saying, what you are speaking. One more time, say, Lord, teach me to see what you see. Now let's go to verse 44, 1 Kings 18, 44. The Bible says the servant of Elijah went to the sea. He looked one time. He looked Oh, you have to preach with me this morning. He looked. He looked. He looked. He looked. He looked. And on the seventh time, I don't know about you, but when you look at numbers in the Bible, numbers mean a lot. When you look at biblical numerology, numbers are very significant. Because when you look at the Bible, one signifies the Godhead and the oneness of the Godhead. The Bible says the Lord our God is one. Two signifies the, is the number of weakness and agreement. Three is the number of unity and the Trinity. Four is the number relating to earth and the creation. Jesus' parables had far, four types of soils and the earth has four seasons. Five is the number of grace. Six is the number of man because Adam was created on the sixth day. Seven is an interesting number because seven occurs numerous times in the Bible. We have the seven letters to the seven churches of Revelation, the seven lamps in the temple, seven days of week, seven feasts of Israel, seven garments of the high priest, seven gifts of the Father in Romans 12, and Jesus said seven last words in the Bible. Now seven is the number of perfection of God's timing. Anytime you see the timing of God, you see the number seven, it speaks of perfection. Somebody say perfection. So anytime you see the Bible, the Bible always refers to seven as the perfect number of God. So on the seventh time, you know what that tells me in relation and in connection with the story? That sometimes what we expect from God might not show up in our time, but in God's perfect timing, that which God has spoken will come to pass. Somebody say, yes, I hear you. Oh, it might not come when we want to see it. But in God's perfect timing, that rain will come. That season will come. That situations will show up on the seventh time. God brought the cloud that was rising up from the sea as a man's hand. Now the law of timing is a very crucial concept in the Bible. Many times we see in scriptures, the Bible says, when the fullness of time has come. 
What do you think it means? When the fullness of time, it tells us in the, in the season of God's timing, God's time showed up. God's time is not our time. God is the almighty God. He created time, but he stepped out of time because God is timeless. In fact, the Bible says it this way. A thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years. God created time, stepped out of time, but my God is always on time. My God is never late. My God, that's why you should not put God on your watch. You should not put God and give him the date that you want to see something happen. Why? Because in the fullness of his time, he will bring it to pass. I put it this way that a lot of times, God doesn't work according to chronological time. He doesn't work chronologically. He doesn't work according to chronos. He works by kairos. The opportune moment, the season of time, the time that the fullness of time comes. We may not know what it is, but God Almighty knows when that situation will come true for you. God will know, will know and God will bring it to pass. The time you ought to get married, the time you ought to get that job, the time you ought to get that degree, the time that God has set for you. Somebody say, Lord, do your will in your time. As believers, we need to condition our thinking that it will not happen in our time, but in God's time. And God's time is the perfect time. God's time is the perfect time. God's time is the right time. And it will happen in the right time. Now, I'm going to be rounding up in a moment. We'll never experience a reset if we don't speak what God speaks, if we don't see what God sees. And we must finally become what God intends. 1 Kings 18, 45 to 46. The story continues. The Bible says that why the sky grew dark with the clouds and the winds and with heavy rain began to fall, Ahab rode away to Jezreel and the hand of God, somebody said the hand of God, came upon Elijah. You know, after he saw the hand coming out of the sea like a cloud that looks like the hand of the man coming out of the sea. The Bible says the, the skies grew dark. The signs of rain was pending. And the hand of God, at this point in time, watch this, Ahab has already started going into the city. He has, he has gone with his horses, with his chariots. And you know the king has the best horses in town. So his horses and his chariots were already on the way to the city. But as soon as the hand of God came upon Elijah, the Bible says that he gritted up his clothes, tucked it in, and he started running. Guess what? He overtook the horses, the chariots. And the Bible says he went all the way to the city and got there before the king. I don't know whether you get this revelation. When you speak what God speaks, 
when you hear what God speaks, you cannot help but become what God intends. A lot of times you feel that you are the last on the line. That, that, that people have gone ahead of you. But when God shows up, when God shows up, when God shows up, God will give you speed. God will give you acceleration. God will make you become what he intends. One thing I know about faith is that faith doesn't make things easy, but it makes things possible. When God's hand on point, you know what Jesus told his disciples? He was calling them, he said, follow me and I will make you. God is in the people making business. If only you can follow him. Many want to be made, but they don't want to follow. God has given us precious, many precious promises that we can be partakers of his divine nature. Now I'm going to be rounding up here. I just have two minutes and we pray. But that was the second story. The first story that we see in 1 Kings chapter 18 was the, um, Elijah gathered all the prophets, 450 times two. Prophets of Asherah, prophets of Baal. Said, come, let us see who will be God. Take a bull. You are many, so you pick first. Take a bull, kill it. Put it on the altar. Don't set fire on the sacrifice. Call on your God and the God who answers by fire, he is God. The prophets of Baal say, yes, I think you have said a good word. Let's do it. So they gathered two bulls. The prophets of Baal picked one. Elijah picked the second one. And the prophets of Baal cut it to pieces, put it on the altar, and set a calling on Baal. Baal, we call on you. We call on you. We call on you. The Bible says from morning till noon, they were cutting themselves and dancing. And nothing happened. Elijah began to mock them and say, maybe your God is sleeping. Maybe he has gone on vacation in Disneyland. Maybe he's brushing his teeth. Wake him up. And they cried, Bell. And afterwards, the Bible says, no one answered them. There was no sound. Elijah said, people, come to me. Let me show you the real deal, the real McCoy. And he got his own bull, cut it, repaired the altar. He pulled the bull on the altar, dug a trench around the altar. And the Bible says he told them to put four jars of water and it filled the trench. He told them to do it again. Don't forget that this was a time of drought. There was no water. So as the people were pouring the water, they must have been saying, Elijah, if this rain doesn't fall, you have taken all our water. You have to pay for it. <laughs> Elijah said, pour it. I have confidence that even after this water is poured, my God will answer me. 
So they poured the water. And Elijah went to the Lord and said, Lord, you are the God of all earth. You are the God of all Israel. God of Abraham. God of Isaac and God of Jacob. I don't have time to explain the complexity of that statement. But Elijah began to call on the names of God. And he says, God, prove to them that indeed you are the God that answers by fire. Guess what God did? God said, oh, you have just prayed me, praised me. My heart is sweet. I just feel like responding now. You know, when God shows up, God loves to show off. When God shows up, God loves to show out. When God comes, he doesn't take sides. He takes over. So God, as soon as Elijah finished praying, the Bible says fire came down from heaven took the sacrifice ate the altar ate the soil on the altar ate the water in the trench until there was no bull there was no altar there was no water and there was no soil Many of us don't understand what our God can do. That if only we can begin to declare, speak what he speaks, see what he sees, and we will become what he wants us to become. Rise to your feet. Last week, Pastor Tom told us to write out our declarations. I don't know how many of us did that. But declarations are prayers for our future. Prophecy, we call it prophetic declarations. Prophecy is not just foretelling. Prophecy is telling forth. What you want to see, what you want to see to become, what you want to experience, we have to declare out of our mouth what we want to see and what God has said concerning us. And when we begin to declare it, we begin to see the atmosphere change. Catherine Kuhlman said the greatest power that God has given to any human being is the power of prayer. Psalms 18 verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. A closed mouth is a closed destiny. What are you saying? What will you say today? Now maybe you're asking me, Pastor Alex, I want to speak forth words. What can I say? What can I say? I always tell people, don't say I'm broke. Say I'm only having a financial rearrangement. Don't say I'm sick. Say my body needs an oil change in God's service station. So what are you going to say? What are you going to declare? Number one, declare God's provision. Somebody say God's provision. Psalms 81 verse 10 says, I am the Lord, thy God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Is your mouth wide open? Is it wide enough for God to fill it? 
Now, 2 Corinthians 8, 9 verse 8. I want us to read it. If you can, you can bring it on the screen. I love this scripture. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace. Somebody say all grace. The, the interpretation is every favor and earthly blessing come in abundance to you so that you may always, under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything. Completely self-sufficient in Him. Ah! And have an abundance of every good work and act of charity. God is saying, you will no longer be a reservoir. You'll be a channel. God will bless you so much that men, you will give to men. Bible told the Israelites, you will lend and not borrow. That's what the word of God says. So declare God's provision. Two, declare God's purpose. How many of us feel God's calling in our lives? You feel God has called you to do something special. What is preventing you from doing what God has called you to do? Many of you are called to ministry. Many of you are called to do something great. There's somebody under the sound of my voice. God has called you to be a multi-millionaire businessman or woman. Are you going to declare that over your life? Are you going to speak that? And the reason is that God will use you as an instrument for the propagation of the gospel. Are you going to speak that over your life? What can I declare? You can declare God's peace. We complain about the nation, all oh, these politicians, all oh, these politicians, oh. but the Bible says pray for those in authority so that you can have peace. So you can declare peace in the nation. What can I declare? You can declare God's power. The Bible tells us He is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask, think, or imagine according to what? The power that is at work in you. There is a power at work in you. The Bible says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. What can you declare? Declare over God's people. Because the Bible says, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people that are called according to God's purpose. How many of us are ready to declare this morning? Now begin to open your mouth and begin to declare God's word. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.